Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. You are in the spotlight with Brian Garner. For this Tuesday, January the 20th, 2015, good to have you all here for our first of three shows this week. Hope you all enjoyed your weekend, and your, for those of you that had a longer ho- uh, weekend because of the holiday yesterday, I hope you all enjoyed that, and um, celebrated Martin Luther King Day, but also celebrated the importance of Martin Luther King Day, because that's always important, too. It's Obviously, people are happy to get a day off and everything, but it is an important historical day. So hopefully people recognize the importance of that as well. Um, and I hope that your week has started out well for all of you. Uh, we have a pretty full show today. We have a sports entertainment combo show coming at you today. Um, you know what that means. We're doing that. That means that Thursday will be a special episode, which it will be. It will be an all-wrestling show. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But for tonight, again, sports entertainment combo show coming at you here tonight. We will talk about the latest happenings from college basketball in our tourney talk segment, and also I'll give you my new rankings for this for this week in my tourney 10 rankings for college basketball. Um, hopefully Mike will contribute to that as well. And also we'll talk about the latest sports headlines from MLB and the NBA, because there are a few to talk about there. And then we will jump to entertainment and talk about and present this week's edition of the box office. And that'll, only, that'll be our only entertainment segment for this week. No TV picks of the week, no film picks of the week. We just do not have the time here tonight. So, um, And as I said, this coming Thursday, a special all-wrestling show, which is why we have the sports entertainment combo show going here tonight. Thursday, an all-wrestling show previewing WWE's Royal Rumble event coming up this Sunday on pay-per-view and on the WWE Network. Um, obviously, we'll preview all the matches on the card. There ain't many, and it's really all about the Rumble match and the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match anyway, but we'll preview all the matches on the card, make predictions, analyze, talk about all the storylines and angles, and and as always, at the at the end of the show, or towards the end of the show, we will... Um, open things up for questions and comments from the listeners, wrestling fans, non-wrestling fans, anybody that wants to be a part of that question and comment segment, you may do so. You can send in your emails, Facebook, or uh, you can either send in your comments or questions via email, Facebook, or Twitter before the show or during the show. We will select from both groups. Um, So if you want to do that, you can do that before the show. Again, you can do it during during the show, and we'll get to as many as possible. And as we always do, whatever we don't get to, we will save. Sometimes we do go back to to questions or comments that we've saved, if it's relevant to what's going on. Sometimes we don't. It just depends on what's going on. But this Thursday, an all-wrestling show, which means we won't be talking about wrestling here tonight, obviously, um, because we'll be doing that on Thursday. But, hey, you wrestling fans, you're getting a show all by yourself on Thursday, so no need to um, talk about it really today. 
Um, so that's what's coming up on Thursday and all wrestling show. And, of course, this Friday, in the Spotlight Football Friday, broadcasting live here on Talk Show, Friday afternoon between 2.30 and 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And that will be um, we're pretty much closing in on our last Football Friday. That won't be a long Football Friday. Last for a few Football Fridays, for you those that listen to it live or even an archive, are not going to be long. We already finished off college football on the show. Um, obviously now at the NFL, we're down to the end now. Obviously on this Friday show, we'll talk about the uh, conference championship games that took place this past Sunday, one of which was a classic, the other which was a clunker. Um, and obviously we'll talk about those two games and talk about any major storylines that come out of those games, any head coaching hires that have taken place since then, any other headlines from the NFL that we have to cover. And we'll also, of course, pre- we'll give an early preview of the Super Bowl. We won't do too much with that because we're going to ha- we're going to have a Football Friday show next week that will be exclusively devoted to previewing the Super Bowl, which won't be that long of a show either. Um, so that's what's coming up on this week's Football Friday show. So really, that whole show will be all about discussing more than anything else what's already happened. Not so much what's going to happen, which is something you know usually it's half and half. We won't be doing too much discussing of the of the Super Bowl in that in that show. So it won't be a long show on Friday. So that's what's coming up this week. Now we have I'm not going to we have something big coming up next week. And it kind of snuck up on a lot of us. But before I talk about that, I want to uh get into my reminders first, but I want to first start off by telling everybody what's coming up this week. So now that we got that out there, what's coming up this week, what's going on tonight. Now let's get into reminding you of the ways which you can interact and contribute with us during our show. You can do so by calling it. Well, not calling it. Pardon me. We don't do that anymore. Look at that. See, I'm going by the old way of doing things. See, Jeff Tech, I still can't get used to this. I still want to say Collins, but okay. Here are the ways in which you can interact and contribute with us during our show. You can do so by emailing us at itspotlightbg at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlightbg at gmail.com. My email as well as the show's, and please put in the subject line of your email some idea of what your email is about, what segment or topic it's for, if it's for the film awards, just get, whatever the case may be. Just give us some idea just to help us out. Um, you can also follow us and tweet us at ITSpotlightBG. Again, at ITSpotlightBG. That's my Twitter handle as well as the show's. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag ITSpotlight. Again, it's hashtag ITSpotlight for anything you tweet regarding our show. And to find us on Facebook, use our full show title in your search on Facebook. And the Spotlight Brian Gardner is what you want to search for. And once you find our fan page on Facebook, like our page and go ahead and post whatever you like to post. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, email, if you post or send it, I assure you Jeff Tech or myself will see it. Even if we don't reply back or use it on the show or mention it on the show, I assure you we read, check, and look at everything. So no worries there. Okay. Um, again, I'm, I, I, I just can't get used to not reading off our phone the phone numbers. I just can't. It's, uh, we've been doing it for two weeks now. You think I'd be used to it, but I'm not. I keep wanting to say it, but uh, it's the right thing to do. It still annoys me that we're not encouraging Collins, but it's the right thing to do. Anyway, my co-host is on the line, so let me put him on the air here. Mike, you are in the spotlight. Brian, I'm sitting here drinking delicious hot caramel tea. Oh. And I am thinking. Okay. And I am thinking that the guy from the tech talk back from the the, the front page talk shoe looks a little bit like this guy we used to know. 
looks a lot like the guy we used to know. I'm pretty much we talked about this that, already. I know, but I'm pretty, but I'm pretty much convinced it's him. I'm pretty much convinced. I'd be convinced if I haven't seen him working in a hospital. Well, to be fair, it's not like you can't do one no. thing and then come home and say, hey, I'm on talk show doing a tech show. Well, 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 well sure. I mean, that, that's possible. I, it's just that I don't know if that would be. I mean, you're not wrong. He looks exactly like him. It's kind of scary. I I am. I don't know, but I was sitting here and I was staring at it because I just. Well, when you're rambling and I and I'm waiting to come on the air. I don't know. I I'm very curious about it. It's weird. Hmm. So, oh, also, I might have to stop talking and blow my nose a lot. It's one uh, of those so nights. I I understand. I remember what happened to me two weeks ago. It's all good. Um, it's one one of those nights. I I want to um. <laughs> I I want to choose my words carefully here. Um, for 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 the third member of our team, because um, first of all, he he he's in a bad mood because he had to put off his um his real trip by a couple of days. Um, so he's not in the best mood tonight. Um, for those that do not know, Jeff Tech is going to be going to Vegas, so he will not be with us, um, the first week of February, which is just weird because it's like a week before his fiance is due to have her, their babies. Um, so I, I, uh, I mean, just imagine Jeff Tech can have his babies in Vegas. I, I don't under. I, 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 anyway, um, but so he's not in the best mood. So I, I, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. So, but you know, this wouldn't be our show if we didn't try to, you know, stir the pot and upset Jeff Tech. So everybody, say hi to the third member of our team, the enraged, but still, uh, still optimistic Jeff Tech. Who, of course, is our technical guru. He is vigorously uh, channeling that anger somehow. He 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 might he just might be so mad that he is jerking angry in terms of being a technical guru. And it's okay. It's just a couple of days, Jeff Tech. It's just a couple of days. He, he's very upset about the Colts too. So that that doesn't help. Well. Oh no! Uh, speaking of uh, deflated footballs, <laughs> Jeff Tech, <laughs> Jeff Tech is going to go to Vegas. I mean, it's just a couple of days. He's going to go to Vegas. He's going to accomplish several of his goals and dreams. He's, yeah, maybe he'll play some blackjack at Caesar's Palace. Uh, maybe he'll cruise down the strip. Maybe he go down to uh, that wax museum place. Maybe you'll see all the fake landmarks. Hmm. Uh, maybe you'll see the desert. Maybe he'll go ranch hunting for bunnies. Huh. End up on HBO. <laughs> maybe he'll do all these things. It, 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 he he will probably go out of his way to do some of these things, but it, it'll happen. I I know I I know he was looking forward to like this whole Vegas and then maybe potentially going to because the Colts went to the Super Bowl. He was going to go, 
Um, hey, I'm sorry. You know, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Make me, it makes me look bad because I picked them in July to be there with the Seahawks. I was half right. What can I do? Last year I was all, all right, completely all the way around. I, I was half right. And he's also mad, too. And, and for you Football Friday fans up there, you'll get this. This is kind of a spoiler. I am now officially tied with Jeff Tech in the, the Pick 6 Challenge because of Seattle winning. And, you know, we both went with the Colts, so that's a wash. But uh, so you kind you, of upset about that, too. So, it, so it, come it, down to the Super Bowl. It's funny. Brian, Brian, it's funny. You both make the, made the wrong decision. Uh, how how adorable. I know, isn't it's, it? You both like, oh, the Colts are going to win. Oh, the Colts are going to win. But nobody accounted for the fact that the Indianapolis Colts couldn't stop the run. Well, Or anything else. Here's the thing, Mike. I'm going to be honest with you. And I I mentioned this on Friday. The only reason I stuck with the Colts, even though they – despite the fact they had played better in the last couple games, was because I picked them in July with the Seahawks, and I didn't want to change my pick. I wanted to kind of be consistent. So I stayed with the Colts because I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to jump off my pick now because then people are calling me wishy-washy. So I stuck with the Colts, knowing full well Jeff Tech was going to pick the Colts because then that way, if I lost, it's a wash. Yeah, but the Colts had glaring flaws, which the Patriots exploited. And those glaring flaws were not, in fact, were, were not, in fact, Deflated footballs. No, and we'll, no. we'll talk a little they bit about def- that on Friday. That's oh, all right. Just be sure when you talk about the deflated football thing, the fact that deflated footballs weren't going to stop the Patriots from winning by over forty points. Right, that, right. And I, that will be a point of, of emphasis. Believe me. Oh, it's like oh, they use deflated football. It, re- it really, it really is. It. I mean, yeah. If, if they look, if they find that this was the case, they could lose draft picks, but really that was not it was in no way shape or form the reason why the Colts lost the game. Keep, so keep, don't keep, in, mind, keep in mind those deflated footballs helped the Colts actually catch the ball a few times. And yeah. a few times is all they got, really. Yeah. But it was like, oh, deflated footballs, it was such a scandal. Oh, the Colts, oh, the Colts. They were screwed oh, by those villainous Patriots and their cheating underhanded ways. Let's not ignore the fact that it was like what, forty five to what, seven? Yeah. They lost by they lost by a lot. There there, there was no way. No. There was no right. Even if the footballs weren't deflated they would have lost by what? Forty points? Right. <laughs> what else is new? Oh so just just point that out. Yeah, I oh I believe me, I will. On Football Friday, um, when you complained about the Patriots, they still beat the crap out of the Colts. I have my issues with the Patriots, but the football issue, uh, deflating footballs is not one of them. <laughs> Believe me. No, um, no, no. But but Jeff Tech's biggest issue with the Patriots is the fact that they did, in fact, beat the crap out of the Colts. Yeah. Actually, to be, I, I'm kind of proud of Jeff Tech because he didn't take the party line and go, oh, the fight of football. He didn't go with that. He said, we just got beaten. He's mad that his team didn't bother to show up. <laughs> yeah, they just got trounced by a much superior team. 
At least he's going with what I would go with, which is my team just got beat. That's, you know, that's that's the bottom line. Well, All okay, right. here's the thing. If they lost by seven, you could say, oh, well, you know those, those footballs. When right. you lose by 40, it's like, my team just got their ass kicked. <laughs> there's, there's, like, no excuses. It's just like the whole Syracuse thing. It's like, oh, Syracuse is screwed. Yeah. They lost by a few points. They got screwed by the refs. And they get blown out by 30 at Wake Forest. It's like, ah, our team just got Clemson. 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 Oh, yeah. oh, even better. Yeah. Um, hey, at least they're winning tonight. Yeah, after a horrible they, start. Um, are they still winning? I got it. I actually got yeah, they are st- it. Yeah, no, they are, st- they are still winning. It's 50 to 36. Oh, good. Is it on television or are you following on an app, too? Um, they are on television. Um, but I'm, right now I'm following on, on ESPN, but they are on television, yeah. You can find oh. them on – they're on, like, one of the Time One or 370 stations on our digital cable. So, But they're but they're on. Len Elmore is doing the game. Again. Oh, good old Len. Yep, he's doing it, like last week. <laughs> Hopefully he won't get uh, – a lot of tweets about how he 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 confused Chris Joseph with Caleb Joseph like he was last week. To, to be to be fair, to be fair to Len Elmore, uh, we would like to confuse Chris Joseph and Caleb <laughs> Joseph too. Because <laughs> we, we, we Joseph, would very much so. Because <laughs> for all of his faults, Chris Joseph was a good, was a consistent scorer. That that would help pretty, tremendously right now. <laughs> pretty solid rebounder and occasional defender. So we, we, we would, would love like to be able to uh, to have Chris Joseph back on this team. Um, so, so dear trolls who are still trolling Len Elmore or even dead, stop being stupid. We would have made, we wish to make that mistake too. Just I actually saying. kind of applaud, I actually kind of love the way he handled it too. He was he was just like like in the it was like the like two minutes left in the game and he's like. Uh, can can the people on Twitter that have been constantly tweeting me about the fact that I keep confusing Chris Joseph or Caleb Joseph, please let it go. I recognize mistake. I apologize. My mistake. I apologize. Can we please just focus on a, the great game we have here? And that was that Syracuse Wake Forest game, which was actually a good game. It's like, you know, let it go. You're you're focusing focus on the game that's at hand. Don't you know? But anyway, right now they are on and they're winning. So um. All right, I do have one more, a couple more announcements. Um, as I said, I didn't. I wanted to wait on this till now. Um, instead of saying at the beginning of the show, because something was just brought to my attention, and it's weird because Jetsack's always the one that brings this to my attention. And I, I, I guess what threw me is I always forget that we had 31 episodes over at Blog Talk Radio, even though I say that every show. At the end of the show, I always say that. I, I always forget that we did. So I, I, you know, and we started a different count. Uh, here on TalkShoe, last year when we started posting the episodes on Libsyn, too, we started a different count. We started from one again because I wanted to distinguish the episodes up on Libsyn from the ones that, you know, weren't. So, you know, this is our hunt. We, we, tonight's episode will be our 101st on Libsyn as well. Um, so I did So Jeff Tech told me, well, guess what? He said, do the math. We've had 101 episodes since the move to Libsyn. We had 200 we had 265 episodes before that here on Talk Show, and we have 31 episodes over on Blog Talk Radio. If you include tonight's episode, that makes three. That makes 496. That means, folks, 
We are celebrating a 500th episode next week. And I did not even think of that. <laughs> so guess what I'm going to be busy doing for the next two days? Figuring out what we're going to do to celebrate that. Because we have to celebrate that. That's a pretty damn big milestone, 500 episodes. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but next Tuesday will be a very different, interesting show. And you know what the funny part is? I, I, it's not like I didn't know it was coming. I had it scheduled for February. I thought we were going to hit it like in the middle of February. And I was, was going to consider that one of our big things. I didn't, like I said, I did not, I keep forgetting about the blog talk episodes. So I always forget those when I'm counting it. That's why I thought sometime in February we'd hit it. But no, we're we're hitting it, we, we're hitting it next week. So guess what? We're going to be doing something special next week. So stay tuned on that. I'll make an announcement about that on Thursday's show. Uh, next Thursday is a big day for us as well because, uh, nomination ballots for the fifth annual In the Spotlight Film Awards are due at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, which means we'll be on, again, the deadline will be while we're on the air. That's a new change that we made this year. So nomination ballots are due next Thursday. Um, and again, the nominations will be announced a week after that. They will be announced on Thursday, February the 5th. So make sure you remember those dates. They're very, very important. All right, those are the only two announcements I had left. So stay tuned for more on the 500th episode, and make sure you get those nomination ballots in within the next week, a little over a week now from the deadline. So, And so far, we've only gotten a couple. We've only – Jeff Tech tells me well, – not more than a couple. I'm, I'm obviously I'm not – I'm just saying that at the time. Jeff Tech told me, I think, what was it, this morning, we got, what, maybe 40-something so far. So not a lot. Um, but I'm expecting by by next Monday to have a ton. I think over this next week we'll get a pretty good amount. So, all right. So we will start first with uh, we're going to start with a couple. I'm going to run through a couple of quick um, items from N- the NBA and MLB just to get them out of the way because college basketball and the box office beat it's going to take up the the bulk of our show. So I want to get through these two quick things for a couple quick things first just to get them done and over with. Um and it's a couple and and they're really two of them are are things that people have wanted us to comment on but we haven't been able to. So I want to get to those and and that way cuz other things, you know, we will be based on time and stuff anyway. So uh first off, I want to start with baseball. Now the first thing is the obviously there's been a big headline over the last three days, and that is that Max Scherzer has finally been signed, and he got signed by the Washington Nationals to a seven-year, $210 million contract. Obviously, this gives the Washington Nationals a huge, huge, huge uh, addition to their rotation. Their rotation instantly really becomes the best in baseball. When you think about who they got in that rotation, you know, Zimmerman, now Serger, Doug Fister, um, Strasburg, um, Gio Gonzalez. The, the highest ERA in that rotation was Gonzalez for 3.57 last year. That's just incredible. Now, that doesn't mean anything, though. That really doesn't mean anything. Number one, they'll have to stay healthy. Number two, 
uh, who's to say they can carry that rotation into the season? We don't know if, they're fi- if there's any financial constraints, even though Serzer did defer a lot of the money. Um, and by that I mean he's going to be paid. He's going to be paid. I think it's like fifteen million dollars now for the next fourteen years. I think seven years after the contract's over, he's still going to be getting paid for the Nationals because the Nationals couldn't afford it any other way. And realistically, that was the only way anybody was going to do this deal was if something like that happened. It was clear that nobody was jumping on Max Serger with this, this kind of money and that unless something special was worked out. And clearly this was the only way Scott Boris and Max Serger could get this deal. Because over the last week, week you had heard that they were going back to Detroit, telling Detroit, can, you please, can we please work something out? Detroit was no, not going anywhere near a deal like that. Nobody else had jumped in on Max Serger. Nobody wanted to spend that money. Nobody wanted to commit those years. And a lot of people were afraid of the later years what kind of pitcher he'd be because everybody knows Max Serger is really a fly ball pitcher. I mean, he does strike out guys and, and such, but he is a fly ball pitcher. A lot of people think his numbers are very much helped by pitching in Comerica Park. People were worried, you know, especially the American League teams, what would he be like in a hitter's ballpark? What would he be like in the American League? There was a lot of concerns with Max Serger. What would he be like later in his career? You know, we're giving a seven-year contract to a guy. You know, Nationals took a risk here. Will it pay off? We'll see. I think it will for the next couple of years. You know, now we'll see what they have to do. Do they run go into the season with this rotation? What What do they do here? There has been talk that they'd be trading some guys. I don't know if they're going to do that. To me, I think they'll try to keep this thing together and go all in this year, and they should. Look at the team they have. Look at the rotation they have. They should go all in this year. They had the best record in baseball last year. They should just go all in this year, try to get the best record again, and see where it gets gets them. You know, I mean, but you think about this, and here's the interesting thing. You know, we can all sit here and say it's the best rotation in baseball, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But think about this. Four out of these five guys, Max Serge is the only guy they're adding to this rotation. Four out of these five guys were there last year, and they still got beat. They still got beat. You know? And, and when you talk to playoffs, you don't have to have a five-man rotation. You only have to have – you can go with a three-man rotation You and, and at most go with a four-man rotation. So realistically – is it really helping that much? That's that, that that's something that a lot of people get wrapped up in. Oh, you got the best starting five. You still need to be able to hit. I would be more interested in finding hitters that can hit good pitching than I would be about finding another because you already have a strength in the starting pitching department. You already have a strength there. You know. Now, does this mean that they can trade a pitcher to get some hitters? Yeah, certainly. That might be what I'd like to do. I might say, is there anybody in this rotation that, you know, whose contract is up in the next year or two? Can we trade that, trade them? That's what I would do and get a couple bats back. That's that would that would be my thing, and then we'll see where the Nationals end up because I think that's what they need to do. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to really help them all that much. And as for the deal itself, I mean, good for Max and good for Scott Boris. People see this is the thing. People go, oh, Scott Boris, this is absurd. They, people, teams keep giving in to him. He, he holds out. All these teams go, oh, we're not going to give in. But eventually somebody always caves, the Nationals cave. Now, did they compromise? Yeah, we're going to defer the money and we're going to pay you over a course of a longer period of time. Yeah, that they, they, they compromise. But in the end, 
he can still say, my client got what he wanted. My client got what he wanted. He got his deal. He's got, and he's got, geez, he could retire at the end of this deal, and he's still going to be being paid this money after he's done. I mean, he's, he's, it's kind of like a Mo Vaughn kind of contract, which the Mets gave out years ago. I mean, it's, it's that kind of contract. And really, that's, that's still not a good contract. Yeah, it helps you with the budget over the course of these years where your budget's not completely tied up to one player. But it's not, I mean, you really want to pay somebody even when they're not on your team anymore what they're saying at home? I wouldn't. Let's be honest for a second. Nobody else was going to, get, was going to take out a flyer on Max Serzer. We had reached the third week of January. Pitchers and catchers report in a few weeks. Eventually, Boris and, and Serger would have had the blink because his client could not sit out a year. He would have lost value. He would have been another year older. I, If I were the Nationals, I wouldn't have jumped in on that. I would have stuck to my guns. But it is what it is. Mike, you got anything to add? About what? <laughs> Do you ever pay attention? About Max Scherzer? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you'd if like to, you don't have to. I'm just asking before I move on and you tell me, well, wait a minute, I have something to say. The Nationals locked him up for 14 years? No, no. It's a, it's a seven-year deal for $210 million, but the way they're going to pay them is over a 14-year span, that, that amount of money. They, de- they, they deferred some of the money. So he's going to be being paid seven years. He's going to still be getting paid by the Nationals seven years after the contract's over. So he signed a 14-year deal. Basically, theoretically, he did, yeah. Why? Because Scott Boris, whatever Scott Boris wants, Scott Boris always seems to get. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have any comments other than the fact that I cannot believe somebody's going to pay a pitcher for 14 years, even though you're getting only seven years of service, if that. That's my only comment. It's it's a Movon contract. Remember when Mo was done and the Metro paying him for like eight years after the fact? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Mo Vaughn contract is what it is. I just can't believe, I just can't believe somebody, I mean, like I said, they would have had the blink. It's, we're third week of January, especially a month away from spring training. I, w- I wouldn't have done that. But anyway, the other MLB story that's out there and thinking a lot of talk is you've been hearing a lot about MLB wanting to shorten the length of games. And one of the things that they've been targeting has been um, pitchers, pitchers um, taking too long on the mound to either warm up, taking too long between pitches. Today there was a report that they want pitchers to be ready to deliver their pitches quicker, like 30, within 30 seconds of like the of the commercial break, like right when they come back from commercial or something, they got to be ready. You know, they're really fixated on trying to shorten games. And one of the things that that first thing that they were w- w- really looking at was, well, all right, they they wanted to have a uh, a pitch clock, 
kind of like a shot clock in the NBA, where, you know, if you're not ready in, in a certain amount of seconds to throw the ball, you know, they do, I don't know what they would do, but they would do something. Pitchers seem to hate that idea. Um, now it looks like they're fixated on having some sort of rule where as soon as they come back from commercial, the pitcher has to be ready or something. Anyway, a lot of you have been asking for me to comment on this over the last few weeks. I actually, and I'm 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 being honest here, and this and this is coming from somebody that really likes. I'm I'm I I tend to toe the line between baseball purists and trying to improve the game. I'm not necessarily all about traditional baseball, even though I like it. All right. Um, I actually like the idea of a pitch clock. I do, especially in the Yankee Red Sox games because. You know, oh, the old school Yankee Red Sox, because there are—I mean, and, and 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 not just in those games here, but there are some pitchers in the league that it takes. It feels like it takes them like 20 minutes just to to throw a pitch. I mean, come on. You know, and I, and I mean, yeah, there is concerns, injury concerns, everything. Like you know, some pitchers have to kind of take their time. I understand all that, but some pitchers make it ridiculous. They're not they're not concerned injury that they're screwing around the mound. You know, they're looking around. They're in, like, what do I want to do? No. You can't be doing that, all right? It, it, it's it's ridiculous. And, and really, in a lot of ways, sometimes it's gamesmanship. It's them trying to make the hitter uncomfortable. But really, that kind of thing doesn't work that much anymore. Hitters are – if anything, it annoys the hitter to the point where they're like it, – it, it kind of helps the hitter in a lot of ways because it gives them a little bit more of an emotional impact to thrive off of. But – I don't necessarily mind the idea of pitch count. I don't necessarily, now the, the idea I'm hearing today about you know how they have to be ready like right after the commercial break. And that to me, I don't think anybody should have a problem with that. They should be ready. Should we come back from commercial? That pitch should be ready to be thrown. There shouldn't be any delay whatsoever. And one thing I never understood is, and, and this and this is something I've never really, really, really understood. And I've been watching baseball for years now. Why, when a pitcher throws, you see a pitcher warm up in the bullpen? Any pitcher, starting pitcher, reliever, whatever. Why, when they warm up in, in the bullpen and they throw like maybe 30, 40 pitches, why, we, why do they go back out to the mound and throw another 10, 15? I mean, talk about putting more tax on your arm. You should only have to throw like maybe one or two, a couple pitches when you get to the mound. It's the kind of like, all right, my arm's loose again. But from that time to get to the bullpen, to the the mound. You shouldn't have to throw a couple pitches. You shouldn't be throwing out 10 to 15. Get out there. Get ready to throw. I mean, you, you've warmed up enough. How many times do you have to warm up? I mean, that, I mean, you gotta, I mean, these are the kind of things you can look at to try to save time. It's not the hitter's fault that the game is slow. It's the, it's the pitcher's. It really is. So I, I think they're looking at the right things, baseball. And they're going to face a lot of, of resistance from those that are very traditionalist and those and the pitchers that are concerned about their their arms and their health and everything. They're going to face opposition, but I think they're going to be able to get something done. Maybe it will be as simple as them having some kind of rule where once the commercial breaks over on a broadcast, that's it, like that's it. You have to be ready to go. They might that might be the first step, and then maybe at some point they'll get a pitch clock. Maybe, you know. And if they if they get one, and, and you know, I was talking to somebody else about this earlier today. If they ever do something like a pitch clock, they're going to have to start it out in the minors first and then have it work its way up. 
and let people kind of adjust to it. That's probably the best way to go about it. Like, for one season, they'll have to do something like that, just to make sure they got it. You know, I mean, you got to indoctrinate it somehow. It's, it's, it's a huge adjustment. But I, I could see that happening down the road because they're really concerned about the times of these games. And that would that would help tremendously. Now, my co-host, Mike, might have something to say about this because he thinks baseball games are very, very long. Right, Mike? Unvariably so. Hmm. Uh, so anything to speed the games up would be good if we're not getting offense. Right. Because offense is what makes the games exciting. Sabermetrics is what makes the game boring as anything. So anything to kind of keep, you know, keep the game moving at a decent pace, at a slightly watchable pace, or anything to make the game slightly watchable. Right. That, that, that's what I would like. Anything. Because sabermetrics will win you ball games. It won't win you viewers. <laughs> it is boring as F. Yeah. Fudge. Except fudge uh, is not boring. Fudge is entertaining. So is the other F word. What is a boring word? N-U-E. No, N-U-E is an interesting word. It just means boring. Now, what is so boring that I can compare it to baseball? Um, Watching paint dry is more interesting than baseball. Sabermetrics. You know I wonder what's what funny? Sabermet- well, you know what's funny? I wonder what the sabermetrics is behind paint drying. <laughs> I don't know. But you tell me what's funny. I, I don't know if you... I, I, I'm not completely familiar with this, but I, I, I've had people... I've seen people talking about it. I guess... And I, I, I'm blanking on his name right now. The Arizona GM. Now, I know Tony Rarusa, former Cardinals manager, Oakland manager... He's in. He's. I think he's in the front office there in, in Arizona now, um, and I saw this. I saw this thread on a message board. Some people talking about. Well, I guess the Arizona GM came right out and said, made this big proclamation like that. They don't use saber metrics. They're old school. They just believe in finding the talent and putting the, the team on the field, and they think they're going to be better off for it. And I saw a lot of people like, and you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. This has been a very um, comp- complex and very derisive topic for a number of years now, especially the last couple of years where you've seen a lot of baseball teams kind of fall into the whole sabermetric thing that Billy Bean came up with year, over more than well over a decade ago, actually two decades ago, and. Uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, sabermetric, you know, that's what's going to help these teams run prevention. And, you know, now in the in the post-steroid era where offense is down, this is the best way to try to win games. And, you know, we've spoken a lot about how boring things have become because it's not like we want people to take steroids, okay? I'm not saying that at all. I'm glad that we're out of the steroid era, Okay. But here's the thing, you know, with all the the defensive shifts, with all this like, 
it's not to me we're getting so far away from what baseball is we're getting into too many numbers and we're getting into too many like we're worried so much about like we're worried so much about diagrams and charts and everything else when it's supposed a lot of baseball what strategy that's sure but a lot of it was instinct you know, one of the reasons people don't get people don't talk about this a lot. One of the reasons why Joe Torre was such a great manager, he managed with instinct. He didn't manage with a, 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 a folder or a binder. You know, whatever it was, it was a field thing. Like, hey, you know what? He doesn't look like he's he, he doesn't look like he has anything left. I'm going to go out there and get him. It was observation. I know we we mocked the so-called eye test in college basketball, but I would never mock the eye test when it comes to coaching because that's important. You look at a player. You know, you can tell whether he's tired. You can tell whether he's, you know, he's talented or not. That's why we have scouts. For years, we had scouts without saber metrics, and it was fine. In fact, it was better. So if people want to get wrapped up in the whole, like, well, after ster- the steroid era is over, we got to go into saber metrics, and we have to go into all this stuff. No, we don't. Yeah, your offense is going to be down because we're getting steroids and performance-enhancing drugs out of the game, and thank God we are. Nobody's endorsing those things. Nobody wants those things, okay? What we do want, though, is we want the games to be interesting. And you're not making the games interesting by assembling these teams based on the fact that, oh, my goodness gracious, oh, we got a better defense now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow, this guy, if you look at his, if you look at what he did last year, he saved his team about 20 runs. Who cares? You want to put some guy that bats 240 at shortstop just because he saved you 20 runs in a year? Who cares? I'd rather go for the shortstop that bats 270, 280, has a little pop in his back and hit maybe 15, 20 home runs and help me win a game. That way. That's what I'd rather go get. We won games without steroids and sabermetrics before all these messes started. Before the steroid era started, before the sabermetric era started, we won games and baseball was still interesting. You don't need steroids. You don't need performance answers. You don't need people looking into all these numbers and finding things that aren't there and deluding themselves into thinking, that's a better player than the guy that can hit, seven, can hit 50 home runs in a year. No, they're not. That one of the most absurd things, and I mean those disrespect. I don't even know who this person was. I don't, I don't think they know, even listen to our show. I saw a post the other day where it said, I'm not going to even mention the players, but the, I'm going to mention the stats. There was a player that was a 245 batter, three home runs and maybe 30-something RBIs, okay? Played a whole season. This wasn't like an injury starting season or anything. Played a whole season. And they were comparing him to a player that batted 260. Now, the average ain't that high, I know. But had 30-something, 32 home runs, I believe, and 102 RBIs. And they said that the player that only had three home runs was the better player. Because he saved his team more runs on defense. Now, I'm not saying that defense isn't important, that run prevention isn't somewhat important. But what are you going to do when you can't hit? You need you need hitters, and all all I keep seeing these teams do is some. I mean, I mean, I've seen the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Mets fighting over Stephen Frickin' Drew all frickin' off season for two, actually first two off seasons when Stephen Frickin' Drew can't hit a the broad side of a barn. No disrespect meant, but it's true. You look at his numbers; he's not a good hit offensive player. 
both these teams, all three of these teams need offense, and they're going after a guy that can barely break 250 in a batting average. All because, what, he's a good defender? Because when are we worried about that? Are we that, are we that depressed about the fact that, we, are we that, like, down on offense now? Like, oh, well, we want, we rather win with defense. It's, it's almost like everybody's afraid to go get an offensive player because they're afraid they're, they're, that they're going to find out something. Come on. You can find players without bogging everything down with numbers. Just go and scout them. Go to the go go somewhere and look at the player and go, wow, that player's good. That player's can't miss. And put them in your lineup. I'm so sick of all this numbers and all these research and garbage. So that's why when that Arizona GM stood up and go, ah, oh, we don't do that. I said, thank God somebody's not. He's like, oh, we'll have, we're going to have a great team in about a year or two. Good for him. I hope he does. And maybe he'll end this sabermetric crap. I'm sick of it. It, it. it really is just, I'm glad it works for Billy Bean. But the whole league should not be doing it. And the whole league is starting to get into that now. And I think it's making for a horribly boring game. So while we made a lot of progress and we got rid of steroids and performance-enhancing drugs and, and we cleaned up the game, thank God we have. But now we're in this this sabermetric thing, which I think is bogging down the game, and it, it's it's annoying. It really is. All right, I'm I'm done ranting. I gotta move on. I gotta move on. Let's go. Let's go to the NBA. Let's let's go to the NBA, where they've actually got some exciting things going on right now. Um, believe it or not, and. One of the big, the, the most exciting things that's going on, and a lot of you have been asking me to talk about this, like, why aren't you talking about this from the NBA? Because it's actually a good story. You know, uh, you look at Golden State, is it a surprise that they are where they are? No, it isn't. Okay? But that's not the surprise. The surprise is the Atlanta Hawks, who have had an unbelievable, unbelievable season. So far, as we sit here almost at the halfway point, um, they are the number one seed in the East. They are 34-8. and eight. They've won 13 in a row. They have the best record of any team against the Western Conference, which is important when you're talking about Eastern Conference team. Um, they're not the best. They don't have the best record right now in the NBA. That belongs to the Golden State Warriors with 33-6. and six. Um but they have been the most impressive. They have been on a heck of a run, and they have been the biggest story in the NBA. And many people are calling them the San Antonio Spurs of the East. They, their assist numbers are amazing. They share the ball. They're an unselfish team. Um, in a lot of ways, their coach has based a lot of what they do off what San Antonio did against Miami in the finals last year. They are a fun team to watch. I've been able to catch a lot of their games in the last few weeks. They are a lot of fun to watch, and they are really just it, – it's – it's. I I actually buy into them. I think they're going to – I think they're going to be an Eastern Conference Finals team, especially with the fact that the Bulls and the Cavs seem to have chemistry issues right now. Um, I think they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and I'll tell you something. Wouldn't it be interesting if they meet San Antonio in the NBA Finals and people are comparing it to them? 
They're comparing. They're, they're calling them a younger San Antonio. Um, that they have been incredible. They have been absolutely incredible, and that coach is going to get coach of the year. Um, it's it's really an incredible story, and I know everybody's been asking, well, do you buy in? What have you seen? What I've seen is a a, a really good basketball team, and the thing that sticks out to me, anybody can get this kind of record in the East, especially in a year like this where all the teams that we thought would be at the top, like Miami, Cleveland, Chicago, are all struggling. You know, anybody can get this kind of record in the East, but what's really important to me, though, is their record against the West. The fact that they have that good of a record against the West, okay? Um, I mean, they're 24-6 and six in the East. That makes them that makes them ten and two against the West. That is phenomenal. Which means they're gonna be able to hold they're gonna be able to hold their own and that's not against fluff teams from the West. They played San Antonio, they played they played good teams. And they beaten good teams. So they are a legit team to play. And now what the the next thing for them right now is let's see what happens after the all star break. Let's see if they can maintain this momentum and see how far it can go. Because anybody can do this the first half, but when you get when you kind of stop your season and then you get, you know, to the All-Star game and everybody's talking about you and you're the best team and everything, you go, you start to buy into your hype and then you start to believe it's easy and then you come out of the All-Star break and then all of a sudden you're struggling and it all kind of comes apart and you never get it back. If they can carry this thing into April, carry this into the playoffs, with the same kind of momentum, then they're going to be a tough team to beat. And I could, I like I said, I could, I Eastern Conference Finals, maybe even NBA Finals, I could see that happening with that team. I, I, I am really impressed with the Atlanta Hawks. And I would, I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. Mike, have you have, uh, Mike, do you have any thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks? Uh, they're a legit ass team. That's my thought of the Atlanta Hawks. They won 81% of their games. 34-8. Last 10, they were 10-0, 13-game winning streak. I was looking at the roster, and who's their star? Who's their A-tier star? They don't have an A-tier star. Oh, God, Syracuse is close. 66-60, Boston. Oh, come on. They were up by 20. Oh, no, guys, don't watch Syracuse this year. Just don't. For your own health. For my health. Who's their star? Their star is essentially Al Horford, Mm -hmm. who's having a career year. But he doesn't have to come out and score 30 a night. No. His average is 15 points a game. Six rebounds. Al Horford is essentially their star. Tefalosha has been doing good things. He's still, and, and, and anybody should have, anybody who had an opportunity to get this guy should have probably jumped at him, and Atlanta did. Teague's still, I think, a very underrated point guard, the uh, old Wake Forest guy. 17 points, 7 assists a game. That That's great. Those are great stats. Kyle Corver's doing something. Um, you just look at this, look at this lineup. It's, there's no stars. There's no LeBron James's or Carmelo Anthony's, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Seth Curry. There's none of the big names. 
It's Al Horford and Jeff Teague who are fantastic players. Don't get me wrong. I I actually love them. But they are dominating teams in the NBA without A-list players and they are running the league. There's only like two... I mean, who's close? Golden State's close. I think Golden, Golden State's, State's got the one that's close. Really? Golden, well, Golden State. I mean, um, Atlanta has won one more game, but they've lost a few more. So Golden State is pretty much the closest team. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's going to have San Antonio. <laughs> I mean, San Antonio never does this good early on. Right. Just who they are. Like, wait, wait till the second half of the season. And if San Antonio is not back by then, then we're going to have an issue. Right. But I have confidence San Antonio is going to be in shape, uh, you know, in shape and standing come uh, post-All-Star break. So don't write off the Spurs yet. <clears throat> but it's ridiculous. The Clippers are good. The Warriors are good. Oklahoma City is not. Portland Portland has gone under the radar. I mean, that's 31-11. Portland is tearing teams up. I mean, there's only a few teams in the league with 30, uh, 31 records. Atlanta? Atlanta, who is just wrecking people. Portland, who is wrecking people. And uh, Golden State, who is wrecking people. Memphis is probably going to, Memphis or Houston will probably be the next stop, but I don't I don't have faith in Houston. I don't. It's just these teams are tearing tearing the rest of the league apart. Atlanta is legit right now. Right now they're legit, but they are legit. I don't want to see Atlanta. They they've been blessed by having only one injury. They've only had one current injury, so they've got all their whole. It's, it's I think about Sheldon Mack. Sheldon Mack, yes. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who's who's solid? Played for Butler. I love him with Butler, but he's one major injury. They got all their guys, and they're tearing up the league. Golden State, Portland, and Atlanta. Hmm. Those are the teams to be very afraid of right now. Very afraid of. Wow. And what I'm surprised is, even though Philadelphia is trying to tank, they still have a better record than the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's pretty funny. That's (laughs) that's how much I'm paying attention to the NBA. And they... Wow. And... And important to note here, you mentioned these teams that are like Portland, Golden State. Now, Golden State is the exception to this. Atlanta and Portland, let's just focus on them. Portland had a, a decent year last year. They were kind of, they had kind of like their breakthrough year last year. But if you look at Atlanta, if you know Atlanta is going to have, at the trade deadline, they're going to be able to do some things because they do have some draft picks they can work with. So if they wanted to, now, then again, I might be reluctant because I wouldn't want to disrupt the chemistry. We've seen before, if you disrupt the chemistry, sometimes that just, you know, ruins it. So I don't know if you want to do that, but if they feel like they're in a, if they feel like there's something there, 
and they are in a position, they do have some flexibility, they could do that. That's something to keep an eye on in these next couple of weeks as we approach the trade deadline and the all-star break. That's something to really keep an eye on. Um, you know, Oklahoma City has been active. Oklahoma City was in a hole because of the injuries. They, they, they've been doing pretty well the last couple of weeks. So they're going to get back in this. San Antonio is going to be fine. You know, Dallas is going to be fine. You know, teams like like Phoenix is going to drop out. They're not going to be there at the end of the year. That one I feel pretty confident about. Um, but you're gonna you're gonna see some of these old old guard teams in there. But the question is, I mean, we know Golden State. They've been competitive the last couple of years. You know, well, anybody as far as the West goes, can anybody unseat San Antonio when when they're all, when they're all in? And the East right now. The Bulls are just a mess. Uh, Noah's out for I don't know how long. Um, Miami is, is, is not that same kind of team. Cleveland has is still not gelled. So, you know, you look at the teams like Toronto and Atlanta and Washington. They're the ones that are up there now. Toronto, of course, had a breakthrough year last year. Washington as well. It makes it interesting. It's It's got – there's some fresh energy going on, and it's – you're also seeing a change, and San Antonio kind of represented that change last year in the in the finals. A change more to defense, a change more to team basketball, less one-on-one, more passing the ball, more assists. You're seeing a change in that. A lot of people watch San Antonio do what they did last year, and they're trying to emulate it, Atlanta being the biggest culprit. So I'm telling you, I've seen more – I've I've seen a lot more of that this year, and it's made for a lot better games. And I'm I'm very happy to see it. And I think, you know, those teams that are still not engaging in that are the ones that are being left behind. So it'll be an interesting rest of the season in the NBA, that's for sure. All right, let's jump to college basketball real quick. And well, Syracuse survived, like they won 69-61. So. They survived oh. that. Oh no, game. I got the I got the alert. Don't worry about it. So they're good to know they got that. Now they they get to play Miami on Saturday. Hmm. Um, who knocked off Duke last week? As we all know. Um, couple of games to keep an eye on here tonight before we get going here. Um, Iowa State is in, Iowa State was in a close game with Kansas State, but they survived that seventy-seven seventy-one. Um. Davidson's all over Dayton right now, 66-49. Kentucky, Vanderbilt just got underway. This game is taking place at Kentucky. I I don't think you have anything to worry about um, as far as Kentucky losing here because if this was at Vandy, I might think there's a possibility. But uh, Wisconsin, Iowa tonight um, is a game to keep an eye on, and that's pretty much it. So, um Let's talk about what's gone on over this last week because there have been some interesting developments. Last night we had an upset with Georgetown over Villanova, 78-58. Villanova really was just never in the game. Um, Georgetown just put on a clinic. Villanova did not shoot the ball particularly well, only scoring 20 points in the first quarter. That was their undoing. Um, you also saw Duke last night. Duke kind of salvaged themselves over the last couple of days. Last night a, a very good win at Pitt. Um, but the game against Louisville on Saturday was the eye-opener for me, and, and that really exhibited why Duke's been struggling. 
Um, now, their offense got back on track. Their shot selection was better in the Louisville game and obviously better last night. Their defense, their man-to-man defense, is the reason why they, they had the problems they had. And in that game against Louisville, Mike Krzyzewski went to a 2-3 zone because he had no way of, of – his defense was just atrocious, and that is what won him the game at Louisville. And last night, there was none of that. They played better on the ball defense last night, but their defense is going to be the difference between them winning a national championship and them going home early. Their defense is what it's about. We know they can score. And, you know, I'm thankful. I mean, that, that's just the bottom line. So they've had a, they had a much better, you know, couple games here, and they're, you like to think they're back on track, but we'll see. Um, Kansas with a solid win over Oklahoma last night, though they almost blew it at the end. Um, let's see, anything else of interest? Not really. Um, on that, Syracuse and Clemson was in a game that took place on Saturday. Clemson beat them. That's a tough place to play, but still, there's an abysmal showing by them on that game. Um, any other interesting notes here? Washington being Oregon was a little bit of a surprise for me on on Sunday. Um, a little bit, slightly. Um, outside of that, Duke Louisville was obviously a game everybody was looking forward to, and it it was an okay game. I mean, it was a little ugly at times, but like I said, uh, the, the interesting thing about that game was Duke resorted to a two-three zone. Jim Beheim would be proud of that. That was interesting. Arizona got a big win over Utah. Can't Ohio Iowa State with a huge win over Kansas. Um. 86-81. Iowa State is legit. If you haven't seen them yet, check them out. They are a really fun team to watch. Notre Dame with a big win over Miami on Saturday. That was huge. Uh, Maryland picks up a big win over Michigan State. Uh, West Virginia suffered a loss to Texas. West Virginia is an embarrassing offensive display, really, in that game. Um, Oklahoma State losing to Oklahoma. Um... Bayer with a bad loss to Kansas State. So that was that there. Outside of that, I don't think there's anything else. Gonzaga got scared from Pepperdine um, last Thursday. Wisconsin, Nebraska, yeah, not really much of a game as I thought it could be, nor was Colorado, Arizona. Um, Memphis got a much-needed win over Cincinnati. And Xavier did a good, actually had a good game against Villa. Keep, I mean, it might sound kind of redundant because Xavier's always competitive, but keep an eye on Xavier. They've been kind of flying under the radar. Um, NC State nearly got a win against North Carolina. NC State is NC State's a sweeper for me. It's kind of like they were last year. You know, they kind of hung in there early on in the season. Were competitive. They couldn't get that big win. Then all of a sudden, in February. Uh, they started pulling it together. Well, keep an eye on that. NC State could do that again this year. Um, obviously, Duke Miami beat Duke pretty badly last Tuesday. That was a, obviously a game of interest. Um, and West Virginia got a win over Oklahoma. Kansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Sorry. So that's all the big uh, – Butler for a big win over Cedar Hall in overtime last week. Um, Ohio State for a big win over Michigan last week in that rivalry game coming off of their national championship game last Monday. They did that. Um, so that was kind of cool for them. 
So that's 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 some of the things that have happened in college basketball over the last week. The Villanova Georgetown game last night was the biggest surprise to me. I, I knew Georgetown's better this year. They're one of my sweepers, but I did not expect them to to do what they did. But that that was more on Villanova. The shooting was just abysmal. Um, let me let me outside of of that last night, um, Duke and and their defense struggling has been a story. Um, NC State, as I said, is a potential sleeper. Um, this week in college basketball is going to be something to really be interested in. Um, really interested in. Um, this Saturday, well, let me just briefly mention this before I throw it to Mike because I, I don't know what else, I can't, nothing else really to say. Because really, outside the headlines I mentioned, there really isn't anything else. Tomorrow you do have a couple of games of interest. I will keep an eye on North Carolina Wake Forest. Wake, For- Wake Forest is not a bad team. I could see them beating North Carolina. So keep an eye on that game tomorrow. I ideally that wouldn't that wouldn't be a game to keep an eye on, but I think it's it's like I said for reasons I already mentioned. Wake Forest can can do some things. Gonzaga St. Mary's on Thursday always a good game. Uh, Arizona Stanford keep an eye on that one. Stanford is not bad. Um, Indiana-Maryland is a game to keep an eye on Thursday as well. VCU-St. Louis is a Friday game coming up this week on ESPN2. Keep an eye on that one. Um, That one could be an ugly game, but I could see VCU getting upset there. Uh, A lot of people are are thinking South Carolina could pull something on Kentucky Saturday. I don't see it. Um, Wisconsin-Michigan, I don't think it's going to be a game worth watching on Saturday. Uh, Arizona Cal might be worth watching. We saw Cal beat Syracuse earlier this year. I thought that doesn't ring an endorsement, but they can do some things. Kansas, Texas, um, something interesting to check out there. Oklahoma, Baylor. Um, that would really be it for Saturday. There's not actually this Saturday doesn't have a whole lot of good games. Not at all, actually. Not like last Saturday, which we had a couple. Now, Sunday is the day to watch, actually. Um, Notre Dame-NC State. I keep talking about NC State as a sleeper. Well, keep an eye on that game. It's a 6.30 p.m. game on Sunday. Notre Dame-NC State. I could see NC State pulling one there on, on Notre Dame. Louisville-Pittsburgh's kind of an interesting game. Pittsburgh's not terrible, even though they didn't show much at Duke, against Duke yesterday. Ohio State-Indiana, kind of a trap against Seton Hall-Butler. That one's an interesting game. They, I think they've already met already, and that was a close game the first time. I might be wrong about that, though. Um, Duke-St. John's is going to be the game on on Sunday that everybody's going to watch. It's on Fox at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And that one was where Mike Krzyzewski will go for win number 1,000. That is the same building that he passed Bob Knight on the all-time wins list. So it's kind of appropriate that, again, he's going for a huge milestone um, in that building. Here's the thing, though. St. John's is no pushover. They've already surprised a lot of people this year, and they could use a signature win. And if Duke's defense is not up to par, if they're, you know, especially if they're playing strictly man-to-man, St. John's could pull something here. So keep an eye on that game. That's no no way going to be an easy game for Duke like, it, like we might have thought maybe a month ago. So uh, next Monday, Texas-Iowa State, that's obviously interesting. Syracuse-North Carolina – that will be a, on the road a huge opportunity for Syracuse. 
because of all the uh, ranked teams they play, I think they have the best chance to pull off a signature win against North Carolina. I think that's the kind of team that they could pull off a signature win against, and they could use it, and it'll be a road game. I think that if that, that's a, that's a big opportunity for Syracuse that game next Monday. So keep an eye on that game on ESPN. It's one of the, part of the big Monday games there. Um, and then next Tuesday, while we're on the air, you'll see games like George Washington beats you. George Washington's kind of a interesting team to keep an eye on. It's like a bracket buster. Um, West Virginia, Kansas State, even though their record is, is kind of eh, there are no pushovers. That could be a trap game for West Virginia and Baylor, Oklahoma State. Those are some of the games we'll be, going, we'll be on next Tuesday while we're on the air. So not a whole lot of interesting games in college basketball over the next week, but Obviously, there are some, including the big game on Sunday, Duke St. John's, um, Mike Krzyzewski going for win number 1,000. So, um, not much to go on this week, but, Mike, do you have anything to add? We are talking about college basketball now. Am I correct? You are correct, sir. Because I've just been not paying attention to a lot of... I mean, I've been reading some heavy stuff recently while you were talking. It's disturbing. Um, hmm. It makes me not want to play video games online. Not that I do it very much anyway, but that, that, that's neither here nor there. Just people learn to treat everybody with respect, please. Even Jeff Tech. I'm just kidding. We love Jeff Tech. Not as much as Jeff Tech loves himself. I digress. Speaking of loving themselves, Kentucky. Didn't they just survive another kind of thing recently? No, they've been pretty dominant over the last week. Pretty dominant? This week they've been dominant. This week. <laughs> uh, this, all right. This week they, I mean, they, they've played. Oh. 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 Hey, remember when Missouri was good? Yeah. 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 No. 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 <laughs> I, I I just just kind of caught on to that one. Um, Georgetown's kind of revealed themselves to be a player now. They really have. Well, it took them a couple. It took them um, a little bit, but wow. Uh, they're first place in the Big East, thirteen and five. And they just beat the crap out of Villanova. Beat the crap out of Villanova. That's what happens when you get out of the gate, when you don't get out of the gate competitively. Not strong, but competitively. It doesn't matter how much you make up in the second half. You're going to get your butt kicked. Because I'm looking, I was looking at the stats. Villanova actually outscored Georgetown by two points in the in the second half. Two points, thirty-eight to thirty-six. The problem was Georgetown beat the crap out of Villanova in the first half, forty-two twenty. You know what that means? Mm. It means Georgetown won by twenty. <clears throat> Georgetown is getting it together. And that can be terrifying. They beat Villanova. They beat Butler. They lost by three to Providence. But we Providence Providence doesn't suck. So Providence does not suck. 
So Georgetown's legit this year. You just just watch out. Um, oh, Kansas beat Oklahoma. Um, yeah, yeah, they yeah, did. they beat Oklahoma, but they lost to Iowa State. Kansas? Yeah, they lost oh, to Iowa State. Oh, I was talking. I was talking about last night's game because oh, no, it was a close. Oklahoma. It was a close game. There were some questionable calls that weren't all that questionable. Like specifically, oh, was the ball out in the guy's foot or was it out in the guy's hand? It was the guy's hand. It's all that one how it was. But it didn't matter in the end, 85-78. Uh, Kansas is getting better. I mean, they got they lost Iowa State, but they're getting they're improving a little bit. Um, but there's not really a ton of – I'm not really going to talk a lot about uh, some of these things, some of these teams. It's just – I think everything is holding Pat right now. Other than Villanova getting their ass kicked, and that one hurt to say a little bit, and Iowa State beating Kansas, there's not a whole lot of movement. It's it's a holding pattern right now. So as we get yeah, as we get further down into the uh, conference season, we'll kind of start seeing teams kind of reveal who they are. It's kind of interesting because we're kind of in that there's always a period like at the beginning of January you get that influx early on of like some conference games are really good. Yeah, and And that's what it is. And then you hit this like right now because they always, I don't know if you've noticed in the last five, six, seven years, they really like bookend the the conference season of all the big games. Yeah. Once you get to about the second first week of first second week of February, it really starts to get. As we call that one, we call it ESPN calls it rivalry week. Mm-hmm. It's usually bookended with Duke Carolina. Once you see Duke Carolina to show up, you know things are about to get real. Yeah, you know things are about to get real when Duke and Carolina are playing. It used to be Duke Carolina, Syracuse Connecticut, Syracuse Georgetown. <laughs> Yeah, and Duke, somebody else. Usually it's Maryland. Right. But, I mean, it, it's it's we're in the holding pattern portion. Right. I mean, you described it pretty well, surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly, I know. I, I, I'm shocked, too. But that's the thing. Carolina doesn't show up on the schedule until what? Uh, February? February. Yeah, there was Valentine's Day week. Yeah, there's 18th. Yeah, because I think Syracuse is going to play Duke, and Duke's, Duke's going to play Duke. And, Duke's going to play Carolina and Syracuse in the same week. I think. I think. Uh, that that that's the new rivalry, Duke Syracuse. It's Duke at Syracuse. Right. And then they're going down to then they're going down to Cameron Indoor, in which uh, I guess Carolina has to travel first this year. Mhm. It kind of always reverses itself. So. Yeah. So at the end of the season, it'll be Duke at Carolina, but it's starting in February. Things are going to hit the fan. Yeah, that's what. However, it's however, and I'm using Duke as an example because that's usually the the linchpin. Uh, yeah. They're going to play. They're going to play Virginia first, and Virginia is a one note team. 
they're really good at hitting that one note, but they're a one-note team. Um, and Duke, who's trying really hard, they're trying really hard to be more than a one-note team. I think I think Duke's probably going to expose Virginia. I hope they expose Virginia. And I hope Duke becomes more than just a one-note team. Because as I mentioned earlier, there have been games this year where Duke's like, oh, well, yeah, we have a, a really good center, but we're just going to stand out here and shoot threes. <laughs> Duke basketball. When you got a really good center like Okafor, you use your really good center like Okafor. Virginia is going to be that team that I'm going to spend most of February really, really analyzing to see how legit they are. Because they're going to play all their top, the top teams in February. If they can make it, like, I, I, I think if they can make it through, like, let's say we're concerned the top team, what, Duke, Carolina, and Louisville. I all right. Well, oh, okay. Virginia's schedule, because I was looking at it, is starting in on the 31st. They're running okay. Duke. This is This is the schedule. Versus Duke at Carolina versus Louisville at NC State versus Wake versus Pitt versus FSU at Wake Forest versus Virginia Tech at Syracuse at Louisville. Hmm. That Virginia is like Syracuse. They got most of their easy ACC games right now early on. So right. of course they look great, but once they hit Duke. And they have to go to Carolina, who's been up and down. And they got Louisville, who's got something to prove. And it's and at NC State, which is not an easy place to play. And they go come to come to Syracuse, which is not an easy place to play. However, Syracuse has been known to get blown out in Syracuse. Uh, that's when they that's when that hits the fan, Virginia. Then you're going to see how you are. Right. Of course, that's- you're used to your rims, but how are you used to our rims? You're not Pittsburgh. Oh, God, they're not Pittsburgh. But that's the thing. That's the thing. Mm. When you front load your schedule, you're running through a a mighty hellish hellish end to the season. And obviously you don't have control over that, but you're looking at something nasty coming up. And last year, if you remember... They only played, I think they only played Duke once and Carolina once. Yeah, they, and, they only get Duke and Carolina once this year. Right. But, you know, when they got Duke, they got Duke in January. And, you know, it, it, they, the way everything kind of evened out for them, they never got all these teams in a row. So they were able to kind of duck, duck in and duck out, you know what I mean? And North Carolina was down last year. They were a little bit better this year, a little better. Duke is Obviously, better. I mean, things and now you introduce Louisville into the into the fray. It's not going to be as easy for Virginia as it was last year when really, when all was said and done, there was only one team that they had to deal with on their way to winning the ACC, and that was Syracuse. And Syracuse at that point was a mess, hitting their uh, their massive slide. Right, right. So they they did they were. That was post Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That was post Pittsburgh, and Syracuse couldn't win a game and save their life. 
So that that really was just. Mm. Virginia got the benefit of the. I mean, let's call it like this. Virginia got the benefit of the draw. Oh, definitely, no question about it. They got exposed in the tournament. Pretty easily so, too. Yeah, so it didn't even matter. Um, we'll see what happens. It's, they're they're going to be one of those teams that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on because they're going to be talked about as a one seed going into probably February. Unfortunately, they will be. Um, but to, to, to me, they're in way, no way, shape, or form a one seed. And speaking of seeds and rankings, it's time now to get my tourney 10 ranking segment. As you all know, last week Kentucky was number one. Well, we'll see if Kentucky is number one again. As we will, I'll start my honorable mentions this week. I always have two honorable mentions. Um... That teams that you now again I base it on the whole season, not just on the week. Although what happened over the last week obviously dictates things. Um, this includes games right through yesterday. I didn't update to anything tonight. Okay, my honorable mentions for this week are as follows, and this is in no particular order: BCU and Miami. Those are my two honorable mentions. They didn't hit the top ten, but they're there. Okay, my number ten is Wisconsin. You know, they're still getting healthy and such, but I have to keep them at ten because they really haven't done much of anything, but they still deserve to be in the top ten despite everything. They only lost that one game to Rutgers, so they're still okay. But given the current state they're in right now, I can't put them any higher than ten because of that. So my number nine is Kansas. Even though they lost to Iowa State, I like where they're going. They're getting better each game. Um, and I, as, as is usually the case with a Bill South Kansas team, by the end of the, by March, we'll be worried about seeing them in our bracket. If you're if you're not a fan of Kansas or you have a team in their bracket, you'll be scared to see them. My number eight is Villanova. They drop. Uh, I'm a little worried. I'm a, a, a little bit worried because. I I I I'm always been worried about their defense because they, they always they do tend to fall back on bad habits sometimes. But they're that that the way that they played last night, and I was able to kind of go back and watch some parts of that game. The way that they played last night offensively was really, and I'm hoping it was just one game. Although I've seen I've seen some of these habits over the course of the last few games. They really need when they go inside. They need to stop fading away. They they are starting to get contact. It, it always interests me because Villanova always seems afraid of contact, but when when they're on defense, they're not afraid to hack the other team, which involves contact. I don't. I been trying to figure that out. Um. But they need to they need to go strong to the basket. Bodily important. Um, but Villanova at eight. Number seven. Arizona. Still like them. They're growing. They're maturing. Still like them. I think by March we'll be seeing a, a, an Arizona team that's going to be very tough to beat. My number six is Iowa State. I really like Iowa State. 
I think Iowa State's a top ten team. I really like that team. I think they're offensively they're extremely explosive and dynamic. Defensively, sometimes it's mm, that's the one thing I think that holds them back. It's getting better. Um, they're kind of what Duke is. Sometimes they kind of lag off, but I'm still very impressed with Iowa State. My number five is Utah. I'm I really like Utah. I think they're a very old school team. You know, you're gonna look at Utah and go, "What's he so impressed with? Like, what does he like about Utah?" To me, they're just they remind me in a lot of ways of a big old Big East team. They play physical. They're all about defense first. Offense comes off of their defense. They remind me a lot of the old school Big East, like in the eight, late 80s, early 90s. Not quite as physical as that, but that same kind of feel. I, I really like Utah a lot. Um, number four. Number four for this week is Louisville. Uh, I, I, I thought about putting them in front of Duke, but I couldn't because they Duke beat them. So that wouldn't make no sense. Um Love them. The one thing I wish they'd go back to is Louisville used to be all about adapting to the style of the team they play. They're still struggling to do that this year. Um, but I still think they're still a very talented team, great rebounding team, great defensive team. Offensively, they got to get to work on improving that because they're starting to they regress instead of improve. And I think a lot of that is because they're not changing. Louisville has always been – I've always called them the chameleon of, of Division One college basketball. They mold themselves to who they play. They haven't done that yet, and I'm not sure it's because it's their first year in the ACC and they're still trying to get a sense of everything, or if it's just that's just not the way they want to play this year and they're trying to change things up. I don't know what it is, but until they get back to playing Louisville basketball the way they play Louisville basketball, I think they're going to struggle offensively. So, Number three. Number three for me is Duke. And that's simply because they did lose to Miami in a blowout last week, but they did beat Louisville and they do they did beat Pitt. I like what I saw offensively. Shot selection improved, offense improved. Defensively, it's still a struggle. It's better. They're getting there. Last night I thought was a huge improvement. Obviously Saturday went to the zone. Still a ways away defensively, but you know, I think the last couple of games were an improvement, a step in the right direction. Number two is Virginia. I know that seems weird that I keep putting Virginia high up, even though we keep talking about them very negatively. But you you look at what they've done, and you look at where they're at right now. You know, you're being incredibly biased if you don't even put them in the top five. And right now, with the way everybody in backroom has played and, and some of the losses they've had, if you don't put Virginia above them at this point, despite their soft schedule and such, it doesn't look fair. So you kind of have to. Um, I don't hate them like I did last year. I, I see that there's something there. But what is that something? Is it something that only gets you through the first weekend of the NCAA term? Is it something that can win the ACC? Is it something that can get you to a Final Four? What is that something? I watch them, and I see more there than I did last year. But I don't know quite yet how far it can take them. Defensively, they're extremely good, but they're not playing good teams. So how do we know that's their defense and not just the fact the team playing, they're playing is not that good? So it's kind of hard to judge them right now. And they're, and they're only at two because everybody else is kind of like losing and dropping. and it, you know. But anyway, I digress. My number one team, once again, for this week is Kentucky. They were dominant this week. There's no reason if they were number one last week after um, – barely surviving in two games, 
There's no reason they shouldn't be number one this week when they dominated the teams that they played. I mean, just completely flat-out dominated. And there's nothing that can be said. Offensively and defensively, they played almost, I won't say perfect, but they played several really good games over the last week. So, And they're doing what they should do to teams because there's nobody in that, in that conference that should be in their league right now. So they're doing exactly what you'd want to see them do. So good week for Kentucky today. I once again... My number one team. Mike, do you have anything to add? Probably. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I know. I'm going to try to make this quick so we're not here forever. I know I said last week that I'd do a legit-ass top ten, but I'm going to do a legit-ass top five. Just so we can make this really quick, I'm not going to super analyze it. It's just the teams that I feel like at this point of the year are really, really, like, stand out above everybody else. That is just my feeling. Five, I'm going to say Villanova, even though they got shellacked by Georgetown. Uh, I still think they're really, really good. Uh, if they can learn from this loss, uh, they're still going to be really, really good, and they're going to be really dangerous. Uh, four, I'm going to put Duke, despite being so one note, it hurts sometimes. Uh, I feel like Duke, if they really, really improve, if they really kind of make a good effort to go into Okafor, and maybe maybe utilize the two three zone so Coach Kheim could claim something else to his repertoire. Duke can be very dangerous, and you know they're not bad this year. Uh, three Gonzaga because everybody has Gonzaga. I guess I don't know. I don't even know who they played, but Gonzaga they're eighteen and one, so they're doing something right. They really are, I guess. I guess. I, I don't know. I'll have to look. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at this point, I want to say number two and number one is pro- it's, it's Kentucky. Good Lord, it's Kentucky. They are just wrecking teams left and right. Missouri was a tournament team last year. And this year, they're getting beasted. 86-37, that's ridiculous. Alabama, well, it's Alabama, 70-48. Well, let's just be clear. The SEC sucks more than it usually does in, than it usually has in past years. The SEC is total ass. Kentucky is the only team from the league that deserves to make Excuse me. There's to make the tournament. They, I, I really, I mean, come on. Who else? Would, who else? The SEC sucks, and Kentucky's running through it. They have just, they've run through almost everybody this year. Are they are they what? Are they undefeated? Yeah, they're undefeated. They almost lost twice. They've had some. They've played some really decent teams. And they've run through them all, except for a few. So Kentucky's pretty legit. And I realize I can't put Kentucky uh, one and two. So I'm going to move Kentucky. Kentucky's going to stay one. 
I guess Gonzaga's going to stay two, even though I don't know why. Duke's three, Villanova's four, and I'm going to say uh, Wisconsin. Because despite being 16-2, and two, Wisconsin is scary. They got some experience. They got some talent. They got some scoring. They got a really good coach. Wisconsin's probably, I feel like Wisconsin is the best team in Big Ten. That's saying something because the Big Ten is usually pretty decent. Maryland's having a good year, um, among others. Ohio State's always in competition. So, uh, Michigan, even though they're one note and not very good this year. But I feel like Wisconsin's pretty good and worth noting. Uh, I I am not buying into Virginia. Virginia has not proved anything to me. So, I need I need to see something worthwhile out of Virginia. Yeah, they're undefeated. Good for you. Who'd you play? They played nobody. They played Maryland. Okay, I'll give them Maryland. That's it, and maybe VCU. Other than that, their schedule's weak. Really weak. They good. They don't even play the good teams till February. I'm, I'm, I haven't fought into Virginia yet. There's my thoughts. You know what the funny part is? I know we're getting a lot of mail because I didn't put Gonzaga in my top ten. I, you know, last week I had him in there. I just took him out. I just, you know, I, there's other teams that, that I, I'm not trying to sweat him. I actually like Gonzaga. I, you know, you could probably throw him in there as a third honorable mention if you want, but. No, they they almost lost to Pepperdine. So, and even though Pepperdine ain't awful. All right, we're going to jump from sports now to entertainment, and we're going to do the box office beat. Um, we have now. Let, let me let me preface this. We're going to roll through the predictions portion pretty quickly, as far as me analyzing how I did, because we did two sets of numbers, and I don't want to belabor this. Um, we're going to go. Here's what we're going to do, and usually we do this differently. I'm going to read you, we're going to go through the predictions of three-day and four-day numbers first. I'm going to tell you what the predict, my prediction was, what was the actual number, tell you if I got it wrong or right, and we're going to do that for both sets of numbers first. Get that out of the way. And then we're going to go back quickly, because really this, this, this ain't going to take us that long, um, go back through and tell you what were the major themes and what came out of this weekend, because really... It, it really came down to one thing um, as far as how it impacted everybody else. So let's go through this really, really quick. First, the three-day numbers for the weekend. I did pick the wedding ringer to be in first over the three days for $31 million. Clearly that didn't happen. It came in second with 20.6. Got that one wrong. American Sniper was the story of the weekend as it expanded into a bigger release. Moved up from 21st to 1st with an $89.2 million opening weekend. Boy, was I, was, boy, was everybody off. I had second with $25 million, got that one wrong, obviously. Um, and third, I had taken three, $16 million, taken three, came in fourth, dropping from first with 14.7, so a huge drop off there, but not that shocking. Got that one wrong. Paddington, actually did better than expected. I had in fourth with $12 million, came in third with 18.9, which is terrific, so I got that one wrong. And fifth, I had Selma with 11 million. Selma dropped from second to fifth with 8.7, so I was a little off on that one. And sixth, I had Black Hat, 9 million. Black Hat didn't even get 
above five million as it debuted in tenth for three point nine, so an awful showing for that film. But again, wasn't that promoted, so got that one wrong there. Um seventh into the woods I had with six million into the woods came in seventh, dropping from third with six point seven million. Got that one wrong. I was close, but not close enough. Eighth, the imitation game, five and a half million was my prediction for that movie. It stayed it stayed put in sixth with six point eight million, so it actually did a little bit better than I expected, so good for that film. And then in ninth I had two movies at five million unbroken and the Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies unbroken. Then you make five million came in ninth, dropping from fifth with four point two million, so obviously I got that one wrong. But the Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies, came in eighth, dropping from fourth with four point nine million. That was up in five hundred thousand, so I actually got that one right. So one right out of ten for me on the three day numbers. Um and again just to recap, American Sniper in first, eighty nine point two million. The Wedding Ringer debuting in second, 20.6 million. Debuting in third, Paddington, 18.9 million. Dropping from first to fourth, taking three, 14.7 million. 62.5% drop off there. Sama dropping from second to fifth, 8.7 million. 22.4% drop off there. Same point six. The Imitation Game, 6.8 million. Only a 5.7% drop off, which is terrific as it expands to 45 more theaters. Sama, of course, expanded to 56 more, so that helps stave off its drop there. And, of course, the Holiday, too. Uh, dropping from third to seventh. Into the Woods, 6.7 million, 29.1% drop, which is terrific. Dropping from 4 to 8, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, 4.9 million, a 47.7% drop off, which isn't that bad. And it's fifth week. Unbroken, drop from 5th to 9, 4.2 million, 48.6% drop off, which again isn't terrible in its fourth week. And a Black Hat debuting in 10th with 3.9 million, which is very, very disappointing. Those are the three day numbers for Martin Luther King Jr. We can now the four day numbers. Um for the weekend. I had the wedding ringer and obviously these are based off of the three day numbers. Obviously there'd be only a little bit of a difference. Um but let me just tell you how I done the predictions first. Wedding ringer I had in first, thirty five million actually came in third for the four days, twenty four million with twenty four million, got that one wrong. American sniper I had in second, thirty million, American sniper came in first with hundred and seven point two million, which is amazing. Uh so obviously I was off on that. Taken three I had in third, nineteen million. Taken three came in fourth with a little over seventeen million. And fourth, I had Paddington, 15 million. Paddington came in actually in second with 25.4 million. So clearly, the holiday helped that movie. Got that one wrong there. Fifth, I had Selma, 14.5 million. Selma actually did come in fifth with 13 points. So it's only a little off on that. And like we would expect, it did bet well on the holiday. But I still got that one wrong. Sixth, I had Black Hat, 10 million. Black Hat again had a bad week. Actually came in 11 for the four days with 4.4 million. So I was well off on that one. And seventh, I had Into the Woods, 8 million. Into the Woods came in sixth, 8.6. Seven million. So again, I was close, but not close enough. So I get that one wrong. In eighth, I had Imitation Game, six and a half million. Imitation Game to come in seventh with eight million. Um, so I was again off on that one. Did better than I expected. Good for them. And ninth, I had Unbroken with six million. Unbroken again what didn't really actually well. It did it did break five million for the four days? A little over five million came in coming coming in tenth. So I was a little off on that one, just like I was for the three days. And then in 10th, I had The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, $5.5 million. The Hobbit uh, came in eighth with $5.9 million. So that's just like it was the only one I got right for the three days. It was the only one I got right for the four days. So I get that one right. So one right out of ten once again, if that was one five hundred thousand. So just to recap, the four-day numbers... Um, much like the three-day numbers, American Sniper in first, this time with 107.2 million for the four days. Uh, 
Paddington came in second with 25.4 million. It was in third over the three days and second over the four. So good number for the fam- um, good number for the Monday. Helped get the second for the four days. And third, the Wedding Ringer 24 million, threw over 24 million for the four day weekend. Taken three way, threw over 17 million for the four days. Selma for 13.8 million over the four days into the woods. With 8.7 million over the four days, invitation game will over 8 million for the four days. The hob of the battle of five armies with 5.9 million over the four days. Also, and just to add to, we didn't make a prediction for it, but Night at the Museum Secret of Tomb did well on the holiday. That movie got up to 5.2 million for the four days. So that how the Martin Luther King holiday helped that movie. Unbroken got up to over 5 million for the four days. Blackhead again, 4.4 million over the four days. So clearly the story, three day and four day numbers was. American Sniper, we talked last week. I I went lower than a lot of people because I didn't – these kind of movies don't usually draw this much. They just don't do it. It's just people – sometimes people don't want to go to the movies to see this this kind of movie. It's not a disrespect to the movie. It's, 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 I've heard really good things about it. It's, it's the kind of content that people don't, you know, run out to see. And it clearly exceeded everybody. I mean, I went $25 million. Most people were going 30 to 35 Nobody saw this coming. It's already over $100 million. It's going to probably it's, – it's automatically the best the, – the, the highest-grossing uh, Best Picture nominee easily. I mean, more than all of them combined at this point. And it's going to probably break $250 million. I mean, Clint Eastwood's done it again. He did it with Grand Torino. He's done it with this movie. He's proven to be a draw as a director. Bradley Cooper's proven to be a draw as an actor. I mean, it's just incredible, and it's going to hold up well, and it's probably going to be number one this weekend. So with that movie doing as well as it did, obviously everything else was not going to – Paddington obviously was not going to correlate at all. It's a family movie, and it doing better on uh, having the surge it had on Monday was not surprising, nor was Selma having the surge it did on Monday. Um, but American Sniper doing as well as it did meant that The Wedding Ringer wasn't. Because it, and in even with American Sniper doing that well, Wedding Ringer still did pretty well. So that was good for the box office. Taking three, dropping like it did, not a shock. Um, it and and really, it's going to be okay. It did so well in its first weekend. No worries there. And Into the Woods, an imitation game, The Hobbit, all held well, did well, either a little better than expected or right around what people expected. And over the four days, Night at the Museum, it got a nice boost from Holiday too, and. It held pretty well over the four days, and Unbroken did as well, despite um, many people not, you know, critics being very hot and cold on it and such. It's it's done pretty well, so and it held well over the weekend. And though really the only negative for the box office was Black Hat, and again that movie wasn't promoted very well. Very few people knew it was coming out, and with the competition, especially with American Sniper, which you could see the audiences, uh, you could see both movies um, targeting the same audience. Um, with American Sniper doing as well as it did, there's no way Black Hat was going to do even remotely close to well. And and really, not you could you could see why it didn't even do what people thought it would do based on how American Sniper did. So, um, other than Black Hat, the weekend went exa- um, even better than the um, anybody could have expected for the box office. Having a hundred million dollar movie over four, uh, the Martin Luther King weekend. Over the four days, obviously, American Sniper broke a ton of box office records. The January opening record, beating right along. I mean, the box office had a really good start to the year, and this weekend being the the piece de resistance, if you will, the per, uh, the the big weekend, 
Everybody thought it could be a historic weekend. Everybody thought it could be a big weekend, and it was. And tremendous, tremendous for the box office this weekend. Um, before I get to what's going to be coming up this weekend, Mike, you have anything to add? For the sake of time, no. Okie dokie. Fair enough. All right. This weekend, as I said, I'm already going to say it. I know we're kind of rushing through this, but because of time I want to. And no, I'm sorry to our entertainment fans, just the way it is. We spend too much time on college basketball. What are you going to do? Um, but I don't think there's much that has to be said in this segment this week because it's all pretty self-explanatory. Um, really going into this weekend, you know American Sniper is going to be number one because even if it falls off a, quite a bit, which people expect, it's probably going to fall in around 30, 35, 40 million. None of the, this week's offerings are going to be able to make that. So it's going to be the number one weekend movie this weekend. You're going into this weekend assuming that that's going to be the number one movie and likely will be. Um, and why is American Sniper doing so well? Again, I think it's Clint Eastwood. I think it's Bradley Cooper. I think it's the, the reception that the film has gotten. It got promoted very well. Um, Bradley's a draw. Clint's a draw. Clint's movies have always been crowd pleasers, um, always been well-received by fans and critics alike. This movie got a lot of buzz. A lot of people were interested in seeing this movie. Um, patriotism, I think, plays a role as well. I mean, I think a lot of those elements were in there. And got expected to be the number one movie again this weekend, probably looking at 30, 35, 40 million. So we do, we do have um, three major releases, no limited releases expanding, no awards buzz movies that are just opening, nothing else. There's three major new releases this weekend. We talked about this last week. It's interesting how all, you know, last weekend we had three major new releases and a couple of limited releases expanding. You know, you a couple. You got three new releases this weekend. You're gonna have three new releases next weekend. It's interesting. They got so many movies opening during a time when you don't usually see that. You know, usually it's one movie here, or two movies here. January used to be a dumping ground for movies, but again, with the summers being stacked and the holiday movie season being stacked, that's kind of what happens. And you're seeing the results of that um, now, and you're seeing how the box office has changed the last two years with so many. Movies in the summer, and it's these movies have to go somewhere, and you're seeing them stake out in other months, and you're seeing multiple movies come out in weekends where you, you usually wouldn't see that. Three major new new releases this weekend. Um, the biggest release is a film called Strange Magic, an animation film from Disney Buena Vista, opening in 2,700 theaters. PG, um, George Lucas, writing, producing, really one of his last movies, and... There should be some interest here, although not a huge amount, because it been prom- it's been promoted well, but you don't expect a huge amount of business here. Uh, the voice talents, Alan Cumming, Evan Rachel Wood, Kristen Chenoweth, and Maya Rudolph. It should do okay. It won't do great. It should do okay, but um, obviously there will be some interest, especially with George Lucas's name attached. Second biggest release this week, an action comedy called Mordecai from Lions, opening in 2,600 theaters. Directed by David Knopp, Johnny Depp, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Ewan McGregor, Paul Bettany, Olivia Munn, Oliver Plant, and Jeff Goldblum star. Johnny Depp also producing the film. Johnny, this is an R-rated film, so that's going to limit it a little bit. Johnny Depp has not had a really good run of movies. Um, you know, a lot of people lumped the fourth Pirates movie in 
on this, saying, "Oh, that was that was kind of a flop for him." Maybe I mean domestically, I guess some people can characterize this that, but worldwide it wasn't. Um, obviously, transcendence last year didn't do so well. He hasn't had a nice, he hasn't had a good run here. A lot of people don't think this is going to do great. I don't know if it will or not. I could see it surprising some people. Um, it does outside of even even if you don't include Johnny Depp, it has a good cast. I don't know. It's been it's been promoted pretty well, I think, given the kind of movie it is. To me, this this one's a very one tough one to predict. I've seen a lot of people go very low with the prediction. I've seen some people go middle of the road. I don't know. I I think it's going to be. It could you know. I think it's I I think going conservative with the with the prediction is probably the way to go. Um, like I can see it making ten, eleven, twelve million. I don't see it, you know, doing what Black Hat did last week and being under five. That that I don't see. Um, and the third biggest opening, which it's it's saying it's going to be an over two thousand five hundred. It could end up being the biggest opening this weekend, but it's right now registering as the third biggest opening in over two thousand five hundred theaters from Universal, The Boy Next Door, a thriller, R rated again, directed by Rob Cohen, Jennifer Lopez, Ryan Guzman, John Corbett, and Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth in a couple movies this week. Jennifer Lopez also a producer. Um, it's kind of like a horror. It's not a horror movie. It's a thriller, but it's R-rated, so there's going to be some intense sequences. It's kind of got the psycho stalker thing going for it, premise thing going for it. Um, there's an expectation that a lot of women are going to be interested in this movie. Obviously, a lot of men because Jennifer uh, Jennifer Lopez, you know, um, is, is is looked at as a um um. I'm looking for the right term here, but I can't think of it. She's really, really hot. hot. Yes. So, there you go. Um, No disrespect meant, but, you know, that's putting it bluntly. Um, And, obviously, these kind of movies do do always tend to draw some appeal. And it's been well-marketed. It should get over for a younger audience. Um, The premise is fairly easy to, to take in. And there hasn't been one of these kind of movies in a while, so... I could see this movie doing particularly well. Plus, Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez obviously appeals to the Latino audience, which will come out for her, too. So this one should actually do the best of all the new releases. It's expected. Many people are going about $15, $16 for it. I could see that. It, it, it went this up. I might go a little lower than that, but I could see that. All right. Um, there is one other movie I know. It's called Cake. That's the movie that Jennifer Aniston is getting a ton of, of praise for that she didn't get nominated for. It's also stars Felicity Huffman, Anna Kendrick, Sam Worthington, and William H. Macy. She's a Jennifer Aniston, also a producer. It is opening in limited release this weekend, so if you're interested, check your local theater listings out for that one. I forgot about that one, and I just remembered it. So, um, Okay, so that's all the, the movies that's mentioned for this weekend. Mike, got anything to add? No. <laughs> okay. All right. So prediction time. American Sniper. I'm going with in first thirty-five million. I'm gonna go in the middle. Some are going thirty. Some are going forty. I'll go in the middle. Thirty-five million. Boy Next Door. Again, of all the new releases, that one is expected to do the best. I'm going. I'm gonna go with fifteen million. Again, people are going fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I'll go with fifteen million. In third, Strange Magic. Let's go with twelve and a half million. That's generally where a lot of people are going with it. 
fourth, I'm going to go with Paddington. So Strange, Strange Magic and Paddington will be fighting for that same audience. I'll go with, I'll go with 11 million. I could see one of them leapfrogging the other because it'd be close enough. The Wedding Ring, I'm going to go with in fifth. It should drop off considerably. Let's go with ten and a half million. So these third, third through five, three through five should be pretty close. So you could see, actually three through six will be pretty close. You can see a lot of them jumping the other. Uh, let's go with Mordecai in sixth. Let's go with ten million. Anyway, everybody's once again these. Three through six, all of them like a half million or million of each other. They can all just kind of jump over each other and do a little bit better than each other. We all know how that works. It's January. Taking three and seven, I'm going to go with seven million. I'll go a little higher than most are going. Six million, six and a half. I'll go a little higher. Just for the sake of it. Selma, I'm going to go with an eighth. I'm going to go with five and a half million. That's generally where most people are going with that pick. And then in ninth, it's I'm going to go with the imitation game, $5 million, which is generally where the area where a lot of people are going with it, $5 million or so. Some of should drop off enough to get to around $5.5 million. Imitation game should drop out to get to around $5 million. So it's supposed to be pretty good picks. Again, so here you go. Your predictions for this weekend, the weekend of January 23rd. Number one, American Sniper, $38 million. Two, The Boy Next Door, $15 million. Third, Strange Magic, $12.5 million. Fourth, Paddington, $11 million. Fifth, The Wedding Ringer, $10.5 million. Sixth, Mordecai, $10 million. Seventh, Taken Three, $7 million. Eighth, Selma, $5.5 million. And ninth, The Imitation Game, $5 million. Now, your predictions for the weekend of January the 23rd. Next week, another weekend with multiple movies being released, with three to be exact. Again, uh, you're going to have... Black or White, a drama, The Loft, The Thriller, and Project Almanac, a sci-fi film. So, and then after that, another three movies. So, again, it's box office continues to churn. We'll see how it does over this weekend, and we'll talk about it next week. All right, so with that all being said, we are done for tonight. As always, the show might be over, but your interactions and contributions don't have to stop. Please continue to send in ideas. Questions related to the show and show scheduling, ideas for future shows, topic ideas, breaking news items related to sports, entertainment, and wrestling, topic ideas related to sports, entertainment, and wrestling, questions about show and show scheduling. You, anybody that wants to be a part of the wrestling show on Thursday, you want to send a question in the comments before the show or during the show, you can do so. Um, stuff for the film awards, nomination ballots due next Thursday. Remember, I get those in. Any questions related to the film awards? Remember, anything submitted for film nomination ballots, et cetera, has to be done by email. So any of these things you can do by email, Facebook, or Twitter. Email address for our show is itspotlightbg at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlightbg at gmail.com. It's my email as well as the shows. And please remember to put in the subject line of email some idea of what your email is about, what topic or segment it's for, who, it's on, who you're reacting to or addressing it to, if it's for the film. Well, just give us some idea just to help us out if you can. You can also follow us and tweet us at ITSpotlightBG. Again, it's at ITSpotlightBG. That's my Twitter handle as well as the shows. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag ITSpotlight. And it's hashtag ITSpotlight for anything you tweet regarding our show. You can also find us on Facebook. To find us on Facebook, use our full show title in your search in the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And once you find us on Facebook, like our page and go ahead and post whatever it is you like to post. Whether it's Facebook, email, or Twitter, if you post or send it, I assure you, Jeff Tick or myself will see it. 
Even if we don't reply back or use it or mention it on the show, I assure you we will see it. We read, check, and look at everything. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest show information, especially as it relates to scheduling. If you don't do that or even if you're still confused about scheduling for some reason, the next best way to get information about our show is on our show page here on TalkShoe.com. Anytime I schedule a show, which is not, usually not any earlier than a half hour or so before showtime, just to avoid any confusion, I do it that way. Uh, a countdown clock appears, upcoming episodes and appears on the main show page. So the countdown clock will count down on the next show and upcoming episodes and give you all the episode information about our next show. Date, time, number, again, and, and there will be a little I next to that. If you click, I'll give you a full description so you know everything about the upcoming show. So what you want to do is check our show page out regularly, especially on show days, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. Um, especially Tuesdays and Thursday nights and Friday afternoons. Friday afternoons goes for Football Friday. So just during those periods of time, go to our show page and click refresh regularly. And when you see those things appear, the countdown clock that comes up, something you know we're definitely having a show. And on our talk, to find our talk show main show page, you want to make sure you search by using our full show title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. Um, and also on that main show page, you have access to all the episodes since our move to talk show an order from most recent to the oldest in the episode archive at the bottom of the page. Most recent episodes can also be found in the top right-hand corner in the most recent episode box. Just click on the play icon in that box or click on the episode in the episode archive at the bottom of the page, and it will play for you. If our most recent episode is not what you're looking for, again, all the episodes since our move to talk to you in that archive, in order from most recent to the oldest, labeled episode dates, times, numbers, and descriptions to help you find the episode you're looking for, whether you're listening to an episode again or Maybe you want to listen to that last part of an episode. Maybe you didn't listen to a whole episode, you know. Listen, maybe you don't even know you missed an episode. The information can obviously help you, or you know you missed an episode and are trying to find it. Yeah, each episode has a description next to it that you will get if you click on the little I next to it. So then information there to help you. Feel free to utilize it. Feel free to check out our main show page to help you out here on TalkShoe.com. You can also visit us on our second home, LivesIn.com. Again, it's LivesIn.com. Search for using our full show title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you're on our main show page, you'll have access to all of our last 101 episodes. Again, it's only our most recent 101 episodes, which includes tonight's episode, which will be posted tomorrow morning. Episodes always post in the morning after the air here on TalkShoe. Again, it's only our most recent 101 episodes, only our last 101 episodes, nothing before that, but everything from here on out will be on there. Episodes we have with dates, times, numbers, and full descriptions on the page. Episodes in order from most recent to the oldest on our show page over on Libsyn.com. So if you're interested in checking out those episodes, feel free to check us out on our second home, Libsyn.com. If you want to check out our original 31 episodes of our show, head over to blogtalkradio.com. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com. Search what's using our full show title in the spotlight with Brian Garner. And once you find our show page, scroll down and you'll find all 31 of our original episodes in order from most recent to the oldest at the bottom of the page, all labeled dates, times, and numbers and descriptions for your convenience. So if you want to check out those episodes anytime or just listen to them again just for nostalgia, Feel free to visit our old home over there on blogtalkradio.com. That's blogtalkradio.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Mike. First for the spotlight, Brian Gardner. Go to podcast, find us, subscribe, download, and enjoy us on that wonderful Apple application known as iTunes. Thank you very much. I want to thank Jeff Tech for being here tonight. Thank you, Jeff Tech. I want to thank Mike for being here tonight. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's bedtime for me. It's mm-hmm. well, thank myself for a great show. I'm back and thank all of you for your continued support and contribution to the show. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate that. We are done for tonight. Uh, again, 
on Thursday, all wrestling show, previewing WWE's Royal Rumble pay-per-view. We'll preview the car, make predictions, analyze, all that good stuff. And, of course, do questions and comments towards the end of the show. So you wrestling fans or even non-wrestling fans who want to be a part of that, you can send in your questions or comments here before the show or during the show on Thursday. We'll be selecting from both groups. Again, that's coming up on Thursday, all wrestling show, previewing WWE's Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And, of course, it's Friday, Football Friday. So that's what's coming up the rest of this week. And again, this coming Thursday on our restaurant show, we'll also be making an announcement about our 500 episodes will be coming up next week, next Tuesday. So you want to stay, you want to tune in for that to hear what we're going to be doing on, about that. And of course, one more reminder for you people, uh, for those out there that those people out there that are involved in the fifth annual in the Spotlight Film Awards with us, the nomination ballots are due next Thursday. At 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, that's a week from this Thursday, so make sure you get those in by then. That's the deadline. So, okay? Okay. All right, so we are done for tonight. Our next show, again, will be this coming Thursday, broadcasting live here on Talk Show at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, and all rest of the show, previewing WWE's Royal Rumble pay-per-view, so that will be coming up all wrestling episode this coming Thursday, broadcasting live here on Talk Show again at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. That is our next show. I hope you have a great rest of your night, a great Wednesday, and a great Thursday. We'll see you back here this Thursday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, broadcasting live here on Talk Show. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.